0: Hi, I'm Paul Havershood, host of The Cost of Living. It's a show about money and how it shapes our lives. In big ways, like why inflation could get worse
1: if we all make more money.
0: Here's the hard truth in all of this. Workers are gonna
2: have to eat that real wage loss.
1: And small ways, like
0: what's the fastest way to order fast food? That first Big Mac that comes out of the kitchen is going to the drive-thru. Check out The Cost of Living. We're on CBC Listen
2: or wherever you get podcasts. This is
0: a CBC Podcast.
3: Welcome to Ideas. I'm
4: Nala Ayed. Tuck wheat bread and kit to trenchures and toast them. A
3: recipe for hot buttered toast from 1450 from the Middle English Dictionary.
4: Tack the impast while it is hot and spread it upon the entrenchers with a spoon. And the recipe for the MED, as it's known, was
3: arduous and exacting. Seventy one long years of swink or hard work.
4: Goat.
0: Noun.
3: Goat. The acronym MED is the only short thing about this epic achievement, first published by the University of Michigan in 2001. 15,000 pages, 55,000 word definitions, and 900,000 usage examples gleaned from four centuries of medieval texts, letters, wills, treatises on astronomy, surgery, alchemy, and the art of hawking. Five editors-in-chief and 125 lexicographers, including Paul Schaffner, came and went over the years.
2: By the standards of other dictionaries, we were fairly quick. Some of the Latin dictionaries are proposed to take centuries, I believe. Even so, I I, I think at intervals throughout the course of this dictionary, it was uh, predicted that it would be done in five years, seven years, ten years. And all of those predictions were wildly optimistic.
3: Lydie Howes spent most of her working
5: life on the dictionary. When I first started the dictionary, I was Lydie McKinney and that was in 1958 i think i came we were we were editing g i remember the word goat very <laughs> clearly
4: goat noun goat Tuck goat's claws and him in a new pot alta powder and then ate that powder in the pottage take goat's
0: hooves and heat them in a new pot until they become powder then eat the powder with your soup. Recipe 1450
4: Goat, a sinner, lust. Wend out and fall a herd of yet, he saith. What beth herd of yet, That beth flesh is lustus, the stinketh as yet doth before an oorlowrd. Go out
0: and act like a herd of goats, he said. What is a herd of goats? It is a lust of the flesh which stinks like a goat does before our Lord. From the religious guidebook and Riule, twelve thirty.
5: I remember one of our editors, when the editing of of I think it was was going on forever and many 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 pages, and he said. I don't know why we do this. Everybody knows what it means anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it's
3: will up like that. <laughs> this is lexicographer Mary Jane Williams. She joined LIDE in 1973.
6: As an editor, it was just, you never knew. Each word was a whole new puzzle. And you never knew whether it would be fairly straightforward and simple, and you could dispense with it in a few minutes, or whether it would take weeks or even months. There was a word that occurred in a casual, almost an afterthought, and I think it was something like myvers, M-Y-V-E-R-S. Was it an ounce of myvers or something like this for ten shillings? And that's all it says. I
4: have sent you an ounce of myvers by the bearer of this letter, and they cost me ten shillings. I have sent you an ounce of myvers by the bearer of
0: this letter, and they cost me ten shillings. The Paston Letters, fourteen sixty five.
6: You've got no clue. The editor of the text had thrown up his hands and said he didn't know what it was. You know, we searched through all the other cognate languages, we couldn't get a clue.
4: Mavers.
0: Mivers, noun. Plural. Some expensive commodity. Spice? Perfume? Origin obscure.
3: We're bringing you this episode from the Ideas Archive. This one goes back to October 2004. From contributor Cindy Bisayon, here's Alphabet Odyssey, a journey from A to Z through the Middle English Dictionary.
7: flothers floated down through the chilly air in Ann Arbor, Michigan that day in 1982 when Robert E. Lewis, the fifth and final editor-in-chief of the MED, took the helm of the great work. The word flothers, snowflakes, had drifted through during the era of the letter F in the early 50s. The assault on A had begun in 1930, followed naturally by the braving of B. Four editors in succession had gone beyond sea and kept going until they retired or died, mostly of natural causes.
1: We were moving inexorably but slowly to Zed, and uh, unlike my predecessors who knew they could not finish this project, I at least had the end, and the end was in sight even from the time I came came here. I knew that if my health lasted, I would probably see the end, as they did not.
7: The team that Lewis headed had come to the end of the letter P.
1: My first letter was Q, a very small letter. X is smaller, and maybe even Z is smaller. The difficulty with Q was so often the spelling, because it's difficult to distinguish QU words from W-H words, and from C words. The MED's
7: various challenges might have made Lewis become foreshuffled, someone who changes for the worse. He might have begun to sing a perdawi, a mournful tune, but instead he was remarkably cheerful.
1: What my predecessor, Sherman Kuhn, used to say was true for me he, he said he never met a word he didn't like.
7: He had to work to like the word satin, to set. It arrived as they waded into the scholarly snake pit of the letter S. Satin had the longest single definition, 28 pages, until it was eclipsed in the terrain of the letter T by a brain-straining 50 pages on "taken" to take.
1: If you think of set in modern English and take in modern English, what you think about these words is that they have a great many phrasal combinations. You set out to do something. You set up an exhibit. You set to and do something. And much of what you'll find in take and set, and and take is the same, you take out the garbage, you take up your work, you take in a stranger, and uh, much of what you'll find in set and take are these combinations. I think that accounts for why these are so long.
6: The long verbs, I think, were perhaps the most tedious. Well, long prepositions were, too.
5: Those, I thought, those were absolutely the most boring, (laughs) were the the ones that had to be defined purely grammatically, uh, that Oh, yeah, function words. Function words. Those were the worst,
6: I think. I I didn't. Personally, I didn't have to do very many of those. (laughs) People that had to do who, what, that, then, the. (laughs) Well, with the, I think uh, a lot of the interest was in the forms. Um, Couldn't
5: do much with meaning. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there wasn't really a whole lot to say.
7: (laughs) The time spent in the realm of a single word involved conquering a mountain of data that began accumulating over a hundred years
1: ago. Our data amounts to about three million quotation slips, which were started in the mid-19th century when the OED, the Oxford English Dictionary, began. The earliest ones are handwritten in those late 19th century hands that are often so difficult to read. Someone would go through a book. These were often rural vicars, underline or circle a word that seemed of interest, and then would extract the complete sentence in which that word appeared, would put this on the slip, and uh, that was how the data was arrived at for the OED in the late 19th century. The MED in in 1930 inherited all of these Oxford slips. There were, I've forgotten exactly how many there were. I think it was 475,000.
5: You wouldn't believe some of the slips that, <laughs> that came through. Uh, you'd have somewhere in the middle of a whole lot of hen scratching might be a quotation, uh, which was almost illegible. But then you would have little notes all around, with basically would be the editor scratching his head as to what this might mean. Um, and there would be, Several people might have written comments over the years as to what this might be.
7: The slip's legibility was one problem. A second was whether they would even survive being handled. They
2: were often written on highly acidic paper, which is now very brown and very brittle. Uh, So we have crumbling slips. Every time you get up from a desk at the MED, you have to brush off all the, the bits of book and the bits of slip that disintegrated in the hour that you were
7: working. Then there was the issue of whether the quotes were accurate.
5: The quotes came from all kinds of different sources, so we never really trusted the accuracy of the quote. Our production people took every quotation back to the original book and checked it, made sure the line number or the page number was correct, made sure it was copied out correctly, and sometimes the source was just totally wrong. Occasionally we'd find a quote that we simply had to dump because we had no clue where it, where it was from. That was pretty frustrating.
7: Our trusty lexicographers weathered the deluge of disintegrating words and random quotation slips. Ultimately, order did prevail over chaos. Each word had its own small cardboard box. When an editor took on a word, he or she was handed the box for that word. In the box were slips gleaned from every existing text of any sort over the four centuries from 1100 to 1500. Every time that word was found in whatever text, it and the sentence it appeared in were noted on a slip and put into the box for that word. Once the lexicographer had begun to wade through these many slips, the next step was
6: to create a system out of them for defining the word. We took the the group of slips that we had and went through and tried to zero in on the meaning of the word in each quotation that we had, and there were thousands of them sometimes, and then to sort them into some kind of a uh, putting like with like, and then to construct a scheme out of it.
1: We tried to have at least one quotation for every 25 years. If the word exists in the whole range, the 400-year range, you're talking about uh, 16 quotations or 20. The, the problem was we had obligated ourselves from the very beginning to give a quotation for every spelling, and we would also try to illustrate the various dialects. You would try to choose self-defining quotations so you could actually see the definition you were giving this quotation Illustrated in the quotation itself. Constructing a scheme for defining a word was a creative
7: challenge that each editor solved in a uniquely different way. Elizabeth Girsch and Mona Lagarbo joined the MED in 1989.
8: One of the things that was always interesting for us was figuring out an overall structure. We didn't just say, all right, it's going to be chronological and that's that. Right. Um, ours was always chronological within senses, but it wasn't... Um, it, it, we did not have a policy that you just work from the it first attested the definition. definition. We were supposed to come up with what we thought Large was really a good problem. rationale for the, the the whole sort of... with well, the totality of the word, and... When you're working with a word that has a a sort of a core concrete sense, but then you have all these messy kinds of things that that go out in all sorts of different metaphorical directions, it can be a really interesting problem trying to figure out how to set up a structure that that makes it possible to lead the reader from one to another so that he can see it. You couldn't just consider the job figuring out what the words meant as they were used individually. You had to kind of figure out the whole shape of it, and you also had to do it kind of looking backward because... you know, naturally a modern reader's got to come to it from the perspective of what the word means now. Um, You know, and it doesn't make a lot of sense to start off with something that's completely foreign um, if you're trying to, to bring a person into an understanding of it.
7: Behold, the overarching scheme of the word wife, weef,
0: noun,
4: female companion, sometimes a priest's mistress. With your to awaken, nimm her shellan, work to dust, do his dal on weenes drink, that awaketh with your lust. To awaken
0: a female's desire, take heart-shaped shells, dry them, grind them to powder, put a portion in a drink of wine, that will awaken a female's desire. Medicina de Quadrupedibus,
4: 1150. Ne be his wife never so shame, but all year ne shall he'll be on his queen, though he'll love him as her leaf, that he'll have another wife. However beautiful his wife may be, she will be his queen only one year.
0: Though she love him as her life, still he'll have another wife. Floris and Blanche Fleur a Middle English Romance,
4: 1300 This erse that been set to visit holy church, Wall tuck made of that own and that other, And let the person have a weef, and the priest another at will. Covetise shall stop an hermoth, and macken em all still, these archdeacons who are appointed to visit holy churches
0: will take bribes of this one and that one and they'll let the parson have a wife and the priest another as they wish. Greed will stop their mouths
4: and make them dumb. The simony 13:30. Love maketh all to gone misway but it be they of evil leaf, whom genius curseth man and weaf, that wrongly work again nature. Love makes all confusion,
0: unless it be those of evil life, whom genius curses man and wife, who wrongly act against nature.
4: Romance of the Rose, 1425. Mate and drink an easy ask no more, and a pretty wench to say her bar, Ereck, what little be she maid or wife? Meat and drink
0: and comfort, I ask no more. And to see a pretty wench naked, I don't much care if she be maid or wife. Wisdom, fourteen seventy five.
7: Sometimes it took more than wisdom to arrive at a scheme for a word. Mona Lagarbo's approach involved a touch of the mystical. The best thing to do was just to get in and be with your word until
9: it was done. And when I'm in it, I'm in it, and when it's finished, it's finished. And, and that's the best way to look at it. But I know, some mornings you walk in and you look at your sorting board with all of this array of words, and you think, aren't L supposed to come at night and sort the rest of this out?
8: We'd clean our sorting boards and discover something awful that we'd stuck behind another (laughs) slip, hoping it would go away. The whole
9: idea of alchemy transferred to your sorting board, where if you leave it long enough, it gets transformed into something that makes sense. But that never happened.
7: For lexicographer Paul Schaffner, the pressure to find a solution was constant. You have to come
2: up with an answer. That's your job. You you can't simply give up and, and say, this is a hard word and go on to the next. You probably can't get away with definitions like mystical gibberish. There's no sense to be made of this at all. It's just in one of those mystical books where it could mean anything. Uh, You can't get away with that.
7: The workspace didn't help. Its lack of comfort at times felt positively medieval.
5: It was a very small, crowded office. And off that was a, a large, what we call the vault, And that was where all the slips, the boxes of slips were stored. It was a very dark, (laughs) dungeon-like, and cold. There was no heat in there either. Well, it it was tucked
6: in with the astronomy uh, observatory. And actually, I believe that had to be cold partly because of the telescope, didn't it? It went kind of around the base of the telescope. I never thought of that, but that's possible. It was unheated anyway, and it was pretty miserable in there.
7: Small wonder that madness was just around the corner. If you don't start mad
2: when you take on a project like this, you will end up mad.
7: On days when insanity encroached and alchemy eluded, they'd almost consider if a solution could be glimpsed through the telescope, like a magical window into an obscure world long
2: gone. 95% of what we read that's unknown to 95% of the, even people who have taken English degrees. Chronicles, uh, alchemical books, uh, mystical gibberish.
5: Town records and wills and cookbook recipes.
6: And technical treatises, too, <clears throat> like uh, <throat> things that had to do with navigation and sailing or...
2: Theological treatises, uh, popular tracts, books. Uh, Practical books like making lace, medical recipes, recipes for making paint and dye.
6: The articles of the masons.
2: Accounting documents, inventories, things bought for a monastery or for a church. lists list of wages paid to particular workers. Three quarts of beer to,
1: to keep them happy in the afternoon. At the very beginning of the period, when Old English is becoming Middle English, and when you have a lot of French influence and French spoken in in, in England by the educated people, much of what you find is religious prose.
5: Peacock,
6: yes, oh <laughs> Reginald Peacock, who was a bishop, I think so, and wrote oh. interminable theological treatises. He was condemned as a heretic, actually and they ordered his books burned, and he and recanted... Would
5: that they had been. Would that they
6: had been, indeed. Peacock cannot write a sentence that's shorter than half a page.
5: And they, they very seldom make very much sense. <laughs> it's just awful.
4: In every creature is a power to move our understanding for to dame and judge, affirmatively or negatively, as in a stone. To judge and dame that stone is, and that stone is caused of God, and that stone is not a tray. He and his work shall be accepted of God, be an accepting or a lowing grass, into a certain maid in heaven.
0: In every creature is the power to move our understanding to decide and judge, affirmatively or negatively as with a stone, to judge and decide what that stone is, and that that stone is created by God, and that that stone is not a tree. He and his work must be accepted by God as an acceptance or allowing of grace through a certain deserving in heaven. Reginald Peacock, The Follower to the Donet, 1454
7: While Peacock flashed his excessive verbal plumage, a cache of early 13th century religious documents called the Catherine Group arose from cloistered isolation in England's southwest.
2: Supposedly, because it was isolated from French or from Norman influence, it has preserved a more native English style. There's a sort of romance associated with the surviving texts uh, because they are presumed to represent an ongoing English prose style and spelling system, which is uh, uh, largely uninfluenced by changes elsewhere in the country. Among them is a life of St. Catherine. Uh, Perhaps the most famous related book is Holy Maidenhood, which does use arguments in defense of continued virginity, what you might call a fairly crude uh, depiction of what you're escaping by escaping marriage. And I think the Catherine group are written
4: for women, uh, by women. Maidhood, maidenhead. Noun, celibacy, virginity. Each fleshlich will and lust of lechery, there reasoneth the e hert, is this feondus fla. Lechery an unricht grideth her to wearen of the maidhad, and seteth erst upon her, neb to neb.
0: Each fleshly desire and lust of lechery which arises in your heart is the devil's arrow. Lechery suddenly prepares herself to attack your maidenhood and first advances upon her face to face. Holy Maidenhood 1225
3: You're listening to Ideas. We're a broadcast and a podcast heard on CBC Radio 1 in Canada, across North America on Sirius XM, in Australia on ABC Radio National, and around the world at cbc.ca slash ideas. Find us on the CBC Listen app and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Nala Ayed. I'm Helena Bonham Carter, and for BBC Radio 4... From the Ideas Archives, this is Alphabet Odyssey, a journey from A to Z through the Middle English Dictionary from contributor Cindy Bissayon.
7: It all began with the invasion of the French. As MED editor Robert Lewis points out, 1066 changed everything, linguistically speaking.
1: Because there is this French influence, because the conquerors are there and English has to, in a sense, go underground, when English comes up again in the in the 12th century, say 1150, it's based more on the spoken language, and you begin to get the Latin in, influence, and that seems to come in with the law courts, and with religious literature in the 14th century.
7: Lexicographers Mary Jane Williams and Lydie McKinney were happy to step onward from rigid religion to racy romance.
6: I think that you see later on uh, a real flourishing of um, lay interest in books. Don't you think, Lydie?
5: Um, Um, That you have
6: these books that are of romances and, and secular texts. Remember the complaints of the oh, women? The ten women. The ten women are oh, complaining yeah. about their husbands and generally their performance, and in quite explicit terms. Yes. Uh, I mean, if monks copied that when they must have been having a good time doing it.
4: <laughs> Tal let us tell of our husband's war, which of him most worthy are to die to bear the bell. Me husband has a war that is tose main, he met him in the morrow teed, when he was in his most depreed, the length of thray bane. Orsir breach, when it is torn, his pentel papeth out beforen, like a war bread. The least a finger on me hand is more than he, when he doth stand, sorry mounting come thereon. "'One our seer comes in and lookes after that sorry pain "'that shall hang between his legs "'He is like a sorry laverock sat on a broad "'upon two idle eggs. Let's tell stories of our
0: husband's wares, which of them are most worthy today to get the prize. "'My husband has a thing that is so skimpy, "'I measured it in the morning when it was as big as it gets.'" the length of three beans. My man's trousers, when they're torn, his flag peeps out in front like a worm. The smallest finger on my hand is bigger than he is when he stands up. A lousy screw will come from that. When my man comes in and looks after that sorry pin that ought to hang between his legs, he's like a poor lark brooding on two spotted eggs. The Complaints of the Ten Women, 1475.
6: There were women around somewhat like the wife of Bath, You know, that knew how to put men in their place.
5: Pretty much free spirits.
6: Free spirits, yeah. yeah. Uh, And probably they were women of not the the poorest peasant class, but what you might call the lower middle class, in many cases urban women, who um, had a lot more independence in many ways than those who were uh, highborn and were very much constrained by family pressures and needs of the society.
5: You find uh, a lot of them had had their own careers, basically, too. You find those in surnames. Mm -hmm. For example, Alice the Fishmongeress. She was out working, you know, on her own.
6: And I suspect there was a more egalitarian kind of feel for women of that class, probably, than there was for, Mm -hmm. you know, for the upper classes.
7: The upper class left fishmongering in the marketplace. It paid profound attention to the subtleties of the banquet table. And, as lexicographer Elizabeth Giersch discovered,
4: what went on under the table? Under. Preposition directly beneath. At the end of the quain is the Duchess of York, the Countess of Huntington. Under the board, waiting on the quain, the Countess of Kent. A treatise on banquet etiquette, 1500.
8: God, that was funny. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, what was it? It was... A description of a a formal regnal dinner or something, and so it was. uh, It was a description of who was sitting where, and and, you know, it all had to do with rank and everything. But the way it was actually phrased was that that I think it was the King of Spain was there in a state, and the Duchess of so and so was under the table, (laughs) you know, because because she was at a lower table, you know, she was low status down at the far end or something. But I I love the idea of the King in a state and the Duchess under the table. Sounds like a really good party.
4: Trencher, Noun. A knife. Also a slice of bread. What wall men for the soul dale, Corn no mail, but well sell at the mail, a rough bare trencher over a crust. What would men give for a soul? Grain or
0: meal? But well paid at the meal, a rough bare trencher or a
4: crust. Common saying, 1325. Carving, of bread-lying, voiding of crumbs, and trencher, with two fingers and a thumb, look ye have the cure. Look that you take care with two fingers and a thumb for carving, placing
0: of bread, sweeping away crumbs and trenchers. The Book of Carving and Nurture, 1475
8: there were just incredibly complex descriptions, which we couldn't quite figure out in some cases, uh, for how these young boys were supposed to learn to carve things. Because you had to carve certain kinds of trenchers, you had to carve shapes. Yeah, and, yes. and also the you know the fancy ones, like the two-day old bread went for people who were higher status. You know, the three-day old bread, you know, went for for sort of the you know just ordinary people and that sort of thing. And it, obviously, it's going to be harder to carve a proper trencher out of fresh bread, but you know, it's you're going to get a better product in the end, I suppose. So it was, you know, all of that stuff. was yeah, just wonderful insights.
0: Tour. Noun, tower. A building characterized by height, often free standing. Also in the plural, the name of a dish.
4: Touris. Make a good thick batter of yolks of iron. Tuck then the wheat of iron. Set a pan with grace over the fear. Then put a little of the wheat commod in the pan. And let flat all abroad as thou makest a pancake. Then, when it is somewhat stiff, lie the command of the iron in the middle, and cast be the cuck round about. Towers. Make a good thick batter of egg yolks, then take the white of eggs, place a
0: greased pan over the fire, then put a little of the white mixture in the pan, and spread it about as if you were making a pancake. Then, when it is slightly stiffened, add your egg mixture in the middle and spread the cake around. Harley Cookery Book, 1450 Subtlety Noun Shrewdness, skill, trickery. Also a culinary decoration
4: for the table. At the second course, a subtlety. St. George on horseback and slaying the dragon. At the third course, cold cream and jelly to potage. And a subtlety. A castle. That the king and the queen coming in for to see how Saint George slough. At the second course, a subtlety, Saint George on horseback slaying the
0: dragon. At the third course, cold cream and jelly in a soup, and a subtlety, a castle with the king and queen coming in to see how Saint George kills the dragon. Arundel Cookery Recipes, 1425.
8: We had the subtleties, that was fun. Remember mm-hmm. the towers that were made T- for out of, of pastries food, and that yeah. sort of thing? At the end of a feast, you know, if you were if you were wealthy and prosperous enough to do it, you'd you'd tot out this huge thing that would be this pastry and, and gold leaf confection and they'd be really awful mm-hmm. things like, you know, St. Catherine being torn apart on the All wheels the and <laughs> They called them subtleties because they were, you know, they were these clever things made the way out of... They have
9: molds for such things, yeah. but
8: then, you know, right, they would be... Yeah, like gingerbread you, castles mm-hmm. or something, only these yes. were well beyond mm-hmm. castles. <laughs> yeah, they also had, I think, St. George destroying a dragon, and it described how you were supposed to make the fire come out of the dragon's mouth even. Right. So it's wonderful, I wish you could see them. And, and you
9: wonder, yeah. you know, after they played with their food that
7: much, did they really care to eat it? Second only to the diet of a duke was what his hawk ate. Lexicographer Mary Jane Williams.
6: You had to keep your hawk in good shape, and hawks were valuable creatures, and so you wanted to know uh, if it was drooping around and wouldn't eat, you know, what could be wrong with it. Hawks get a lot of disgusting diseases, (laughs) which... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> are These treatises frequently have a lot to do with uh, how to treat these various conditions. What it looks like if the hawk is throwing up or uh, whatever. The, the droppings
5: of the hawk. The droppings of the hawk. Ways.
6: They're very significant There's as to the ways. color and mm-hmm. the texture and all this <laughs> stuff, yeah. Avian disease must have been a problem. And what treatments, there were treatments for purging it. I guess they this means a sort of laxative or things that would make it cast, that is, throw up uh, if something was in there that shouldn't be in there, and how to treat uh, with various herbal remedies and how to feed it, to nurse it back to health. Only noble people were allowed to have the the so-called noble birds. It was a matter of, of status.
4: Full oft he fileth of his gum, That wall with idle hand reclam his hawk, As many a niece doth. Very often he fails in
0: this sport, Who reclaims his hawk with an idle hand, As many a foolish person does. John Gowers, Confessio Amantis, 1393
4: Where beth thy before us wherein, Whom does laden and haucus baren? Where are those who lived before us, who led
0: hounds
4: and carried hawks. A song lyric, 1400. If thou seest the hawk flayne, enjoy thou shalt wear well lisane. If you see your hawk fly, you will see it in joy.
0: The Dream Book, 1325.
7: Wherever there was a hawk in flight, there was bound to be found a mythical
4: tree. Tree, Noun. There is a tray of oak that the Saracens call as Derp, and it is of Abraham team. This is the tray that men call as the Dre. tray. It was Alway grain and Barlevis unto that tame that our Lord dared on the cross, and then it dreed. There is a tree of oak which the Saracens call dirp, and it
0: is from Abraham's time. This is the tree which men called the dry tree. It was always green and bore leaves until the time that our Lord died on the cross. And then it dried. Mandeville's Travels,
4: 1425. Thou shalt see there two trees. The tree of the sun is masculine, and the tree of the moon is feminine. Thou shalt see there two trees. The tree of the
0: sun is masculine, and the tree of the moon is feminine. Letter of Alexander to Aristotle, 1500.
8: You found out what kind of trees they knew about, and of course you would expect them to know about all the ones that were native, but it turns out they, they knew or thought they knew about a lot of trees that they'd obviously never seen. Biblical like, references probably. Yeah, lots of biblical references, plain trees, oh, neat stuff like the fire trees in, uh, or no, the tree of the sun and the moon, the dry tree, you know. So you get into these wonderful things where you're reading about, uh, you get... Occasional things like the, uh, the Mandeville's Travels, where you get these fantastical mm-hmm. accounts of, oh, the pepper tree. There was a wonderful one about the pepper tree, uh, which involved peppers that sort of twined themselves around people. I can't remember exactly what happened. It sounded kind of vaguely sinister, but he didn't ever really finish telling the story. He kind of moved on to something else that caught his eye. Mandeville's Travels was um, there were actually we had f- what four Middle English versions of it. It was a an account. Supposedly written by a man who had been out to the east, you know, and had Came seen Prester John and all of that.
6: Tales. Yeah,
8: and nobody seems to know how accurate any of it is, as far as as uh, you know, as a real travel narrative. How much of it is just a, a pastiche of stories that had been sort of circulating at the time? I think people do think that there was a a, a Mandeville and that he did do some traveling, but you know, he probably didn't actually encounter the the dry no, tree no, and that hear sort of thing. Stories about
9: in, in somewhere in Africa, maybe in Ethiopia, where. The natives, inhabitants of one country would, you know, put one leg over their head and shade themselves with their foot. You have to
8: kind of wonder. (laughs) (laughs) All these other incredible stories. Oh, and you know, the other thing that was funny and true, that wonderful story about how you catch an elephant, they believed that elephants didn't have any joints in their knees. They would say that if you want to catch an elephant, you have to go to trees because elephants have to lean up against trees while they sleep because they can't lie down, you see, because they don't have any joints in their knees. So you just saw it halfway through. And then when the elephant comes along, he leans against it to go to sleep. He falls over. He can't get up. And then you have your elephant. I don't know how they think you're supposed to pick him up and take him away. But, but this is all presented sort of earnestly, you know, sort of if you need to catch an elephant, here's how you do it. <laughs>
7: If tree could take you to far-off lands full of far-fetched tales, where would water flow to? Elizabeth Giersch and Mona Lagarbo found out.
8: Mona and I both worked on water. You <laughs> saw yeah. water from through from yeah. beginning to end, right? Yes, drop by drop, right?
7: <laughs> water, noun,
0: a naturally occurring element. Water, as opposed to the other elements.
4: Of wateris froren, of Isis wall, This middle world it look at all, It may ben houghton, heavener roof. It encloses all this earth with frozen water, A
0: wall of ice. It may be called the roof of heaven.
4: Genesis and Exodus 1325 The to heaven is watery, other crystalline, the heavenly waters above the firmament the sixth heaven is watery or
0: crystalline these heavenly waters are hung above the firmament
7: bartolomaeus's
0: de proprietatibus rerum 1398
4: cloud is withouten water
7: cloud is withouten water it was one of those quotes that stumped them
8: it had to do with whether the clouds without water could be considered to have substance but of course if, if what you don't know is how much they really knew about what clouds were I think if I am remembering it rightly the whole context was just it's completely metaphorical. metaphorical if it's out of the cloud of unknowing which is what I right. sort of vaguely remember it from there's not a concrete thing in that entire text
4: cloud is without and water
0: persons without substance unstable or inconstant
7: people One moment, with one quote, your head was in the clouds. The next, it could be lying on the anatomy
4: dissecting table. En searchers of anatomy, that is to say of Wilke cunning how men bodies been mad, han found in experience, be cutting of dead men's bodies, that the sinews of the body beginnin at the knoll of the head. Researchers in anatomy
0: that is to say, of that understanding of how men's bodies are made, have found by experience, by the dissection of dead men's bodies, that the sinews of the body begin at the top of the head. Guy de Chauliac's Treatise on Anatomy, 1425.
6: Guy de Chauliac was a uh, physician from France, but wrote in Latin. He wrote an anatomy that was pretty much the... uh, basic textbook for Western surgery up till the Renaissance. He starts out matter-of-factly saying, if you have the head, you should start with that. The Church forbade uh, dissection of human bodies. Generally, the only bodies they could get their hands on were those of executed criminals. And the two methods of execution basically were hanging or decapitation, And the upper classes who got decapitation, it was thought to be a more, probably was, a more merciful, quicker, surer death, Uh, the heads often got hung up on pikes, and so the anatomist didn't get the head. He got the body only. Whereas someone who was a common criminal or lower class who had been hanged, you got the whole corpse. So then you could start with the head.
4: A surgeon must have hand his whale sharp long small fingers, and his body not quacking. A surgeon must have
0: well-shaped hands, long small fingers, and a body which does
4: not shake. A surgeon undoeth that that is whole, when he letteth blood, either garseth, either brenneth, either setteth on water leeches, for this is a surgeon's craft, the way for our pride, have left it to barbers and to women. A surgeon takes apart that
0: which is whole when he lets blood, or scarifies, or cauterizes, or sets on leeches. For this is a surgeon's job, though we in our pride have left it to barbers and to women. Lanfranc's Complete Art of Surgery, 1400.
6: There are texts for surgery that are illustrated with instruments that look like saws, and the one that always made me the queasiest was on how to deal with cataract, because they did uh, know how to operate and remove cataracts, but of course it had to be done pretty much without anesthesia. One of the main things a surgeon had to have was a couple of good, strong servants who could hold down the patients Mm -hmm. or tie them down. And there are directions about how to tie a patient
5: down for certain operations. I like the suggestion of how to find out if your skull is cracked. You whack him on the head with something and if it makes a certain sound it's it's actually cracked. <laughs> <laughs>
7: Perhaps it was only with a crack on the skull that you could learn the truth.
0: Truth. Noun. Fourteen definitions. One. Fidelity to one's country, kin, friends. Two. A promise, a pledge of loyalty. Three. Honor, integrity, adherence to one's plighted word. Four. Honesty. Five. A vaguely specified but implicitly comprehensive virtue, goodness or rectitude of character, fidelity to principle or moral law, integrity, moral soundness, also with punning reference to God or Christ. Truth is the word
2: that can defeat uh, attempts over and over again to, to isolate just uh, what is being talked about.
7: Lexicographer Paul Schaffner found truth to be maddeningly elusive.
2: Truth is probably a mistake to undertake. I volunteered to do it because it looked like an interesting word. But like all abstract nouns, it's extremely slippery uh, when you try to distinguish different kinds of truth. Uh, Certainly its fundamental meaning is not what we would suppose to be accuracy or, or, or correspondence to reality, but its fundamental meaning is faithfulness. And it's only as... Uh, time goes on that it becomes more and more uh, equivalent to, to verity
4: or to accuracy. The second truth is the inableness or readiness to watch justness of deed and to forbear unjustness of deed, Which truth is richtfulness in all thing that is able to be done or able to be not done? The second virtue is your ability or readiness to do justice indeed. And to
0: avoid unjustness indeed, which virtue is righteousness in everything that can be done or should not be done
4: Peacock's rule of Christian religion fourteen forty three Dreamers some bane the faintest temptation that to the truth is false treason Some dreams
0: are the temptation of the devil, which is false treason to your faith.
4: Handling sin, Robert Manning of Brune fourteen hundred. In the heavenly hall, hever shall fulfil all the capacity of a soul, by clear knowing of truth. In the heavenly hall, he will fulfil all the
0: capacity of a soul, through the clear understanding of faith. The tree and twelve fruits of the Holy Ghost, fourteen sixty.
2: It's used prominently in some very sophisticated literary works that love to play on the word, uh, including the Gospel of John in English, I mean, in in, in English translation, the the truth shall shall set you free. Uh, What does that mean? Uh, What sense of truth is implied by that? Uh, Or Pierce Plowman, Langland's Pierce Plowman, where truth often is, is described as doing things, uh, so it's, it's semi-personified, and it, at times it seems to be equivalent to God, as well as being a particular kind of virtue. There's always at least a double reference to everything in language, And to a lexicographer, of course, that's maddening, because what you want is a word that falls neatly into a into a slot. In a sense, in fact, lexicographers prefer the, the mundane documents.
7: Literary texts
2: which play with words are just maddening. <laughs>
7: In truth, the wordplay of work on the MED has been the 71-year search for accuracy, from which its maddened acolytes have now been set free. Samuel Johnson called lexicographers harmless drudges. Have they been?
2: I'm not sure that we're either harmless or entirely drudges. Words are attached to things and to feelings all the time, and... Uh, whether it's uh, words of ethnic abuse, which have raised much controversy about definitions in modern dictionaries, or words that are not sufficiently branded as as substandard uh, for other people, there is certainly a, a, a view that lexicographers can be dangerous things and should be kept in their places.
7: Editor Robert Lewis takes another tack on the question.
1: At the celebrations for the completion of the dictionary last May, the president of this university after talking about the financing of this project which cost depending on how you calculate it somewhere between 16 and 20 million dollars over a 71 year period he made the comment that uh, these didn't seem like such harmless drudges to him if if they spent all this all this university money
9: In some ways, we are drudges, because once we get absorbed in what we're doing, no outside influence could come in and and distract you. Drudge, there's a certain, I guess,
8: persistence there that that underlies that term for me. I don't think it was drudgery. It was was wonderful work. It was just, it's the most fun. You can have and you know and still draw a paycheck. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, I, th- I think language is, is one of the few
9: things that you own outright. You possess it. You're, you speak language, and, and to know about your language's history and its development, and, and how words are used. You know, what are you saying when you speak? What exactly? What, what what is implied by what you say? What is what is literally meant? We had the privilege of having a small window on that world. You know, watching the language develop. Not many people have that opportunity.
4: Zukarin
0: zin. Adjective and noun. Sweet sin.
7: Thus live a friend is, as ye have sighed, Our pilgrimage is ended, from A to Z. The team has come, thus endeth o'er a die. God, will you be pleased with me wordplay. And so, dear friends, as was for said, we finished our journey from A to Z. At this point, it's time to call it a day. I hope you've been pleased by my wordplay.
3: You've been listening to Alphabet Odyssey, a journey from A to Z through the Middle English Dictionary by Cindy Bisayon. It originally aired in October 2004. Middle English translations and readings were by David Klausner from the Centre for Medieval Studies at the University of Toronto. The Modern English was read by Richard Partington. This reversioned episode was produced by Nahid Mustafa with technical help from Austin Pomeroy. Our web producer is Lisa Ayuso. The senior producer is Nikola Lukšić. The executive producer of Ideas is Greg Kelly, and I'm Nala Ayed.